Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. Okay. Max is out this week, which means I think we have to start this podcast with the requisite trigger warning that this is going to be a sports one. Sports. Uh, well, I mean, we have to do it because there were no. Th- we're recording this on a Monday, uh, Monday, February eighth, and there were no sports on yesterday, so there we sure might as weren't. well. Um, certainly, no competitive sports, if you know what I mean. There, yeah, there definitely uh, were no competitive sports, and and I have to imagine. <laughs> If there was, if there even was anything on, the only thing that I feel like I could have, you know, like totally ignored and forgotten about on a Sunday night would have been a, a really lame football game with a polarizing halftime show that some people seemed to really like and some people found uh, puzzlingly mediocre. I'm one of mm-hmm. those people. Um, but. Yeah, rather rather than talk about that or um, spend thirty five minutes talking about all of the you know going through every different possible way that we can say that the NBA should not be having an All Star game, mm-hmm. um, we're we're going to rehash uh, uh, or we're going to steal really an idea uh, that I had in a group text uh, full of. UVA alums and UVA basketball fans uh, recently, which was, uh, what is what is your all-time or your all-Tony Bennett era oh, uh, yes. lineup? Mm-hmm. So no, no one gets to cheat and use Ralph Sampson. Mm-hmm. Um, purely from the last, you know, it's, it's about the last 10 years, uh, and, and it more or less roughly corresponds with the time that we all started at UVA. Yes. Um, I think it's, I want to say that Bennett's first year was my first year, right? Did y'all have a year of Dave no, Laytown? we had, no, we were Bennett's first year. Okay. Yes. He okay. committed to UVA basically at the same time that Kevin and I did. <laughs> I think it was, yes. it was probably like early, early-ish 2000, yeah. 2009. It was quite we a, got a year of grow. Quite a, then... quite a turnover. I got, yeah, so I started with Mike London, which was much less auspicious. Uh, Hold on while I do a slow clap here. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> well, Mike we, London did enough of those. Well, we are notoriously bad at managing our, our time. Oh, wait, on hold, hold on. Too, so. um, actually mentioning that Sean, you're in Richmond now. Did you know Mike London was a cop in Richmond? <laughs> I, believe it or not, I did. Uh, only because we were told roughly 10 times a week for his entire tenure as the head football coach of the University of Virginia. Uh, let's talk about other Londons, maybe. Maybe. So so I, I think we want to kind of tease this out a little bit. We, we, could, we could start with the three of us, I mean, Pierce and mm-hmm. Kevin, just like reading off who our lineups are. But I don't think that's quite as fun. Frankly, I, at least technically speaking, I actually haven't made mine yet. I mm. I have I have a pool of twelve. I have a roster, if you will, but I haven't determined 
the the starting lineup. So so I think maybe instead what we should do is sort of wind and weave our way through kind of how how we determined uh, who would who would make this squad uh, before you know the grand finale of, of actually saying well this is this is the lineup. Uh, and I, I think maybe the first place to start is um, I don't know about the two of you, but when I started to kind of sketch my my notes out, um, there's only two people to me that are absolute guarantees you literally cannot leave them off the list. I have a uh, feeling okay. that both of you will have the same two players as well. Mm-hmm. But I also have a feeling, because I remember how this discussion went in another group text, that it's possible that you might have found there to be more than two guarantees. Is that the case for either of you? I had three guarantees. Okay. Oh, I I had two. I had two as well. Um and and I wouldn't be surprised if they're the same two, but ten years is a long time, and I think that events occur, and maybe you're able to to push away the sentimentality of that, and maybe those two are different for for you. And and I'm curious about the third for Kevin. They they can't be. I mean, it's it's Malcolm Brogdon and Joe Harris. It is the yes, the it is. two best modern. Virginia basketball players, absolutely without exception. Um, oh, yeah. Well, no. That's, that's so. That's so. I I think that to to mention sentimentality, but to try to be also objective about it. I think that you look at the careers of Malcolm and Joe, and they are they are there is progression, there is completeness, and there's longevity. Yes. And and there there ends up being another person on on my list who who I think has some of that, but certainly not to the levels. Um, but there have been more recent players um, who had some really a, a really hot year or two and and took it to great heights, um, but different. I think. I mean, Kevin, do you mm-hmm. maybe have one of those people on your list? Yeah, so um, for me, I think that you have to have DeAndre Hunter on your team. I don't know if you guys don't agree because he was only there for two years. Um, I, um, but I don't see how you can not have him. He in his the two years he played, we like went approximately thirty-five and three in the ACC. We won an ACC tournament. We won the national championship, and the UMBC loss was because he wasn't there. We was the first. It was the first time Bennett won at Cameron was when he was on the team. Like he is a utility. He is the re- the reason he has was we couldn't win uh, or we didn't win a championship before him was that there was always a time when the offense stalled, and um, that just never happened with DeAndre. He was the perfect utility player for a college basketball team. So. I think he has to be on the team. That's yeah. That's that is totally fair, and I think there is a, a a good chance since I at least for the purposes of argument I'm doing this live. I think there is a good chance that he will wind up on my team, but he wasn't a a must include mm-hmm. as compared to 
Malcolm, who arguably should have been to two Final Fours. Fuck Michigan State. Um, and, uh, and, and Joe Harris, who one of my grandest UVA memories is watching him score 36 points against Duke uh, in, in a game. I mean, you know, at the time, it was pretty damn rare for UVA to beat Duke even at home. Mm-hmm. And so it was a big national TV game. Duke was ranked third in the country, and UVA led wire to wire. Uh, and it was mm-hmm. just, it was incredible. Uh, and and then, uh, and then the next year, I got to watch him play in the ACC championship game uh, and, and have a great game along with some other people that will probably come up later so like i I don't think i guess i i don't think that uh i don't think that joe harris is a a a sentimentality pick i mean he's Mm -hmm. very obviously like one of the best basketball players in the history of the university of virginia like i don't think that's particularly up for debate so yeah so sentimentality factors in as opposed to some of the more you know some of the guys who played on a championship team when when Mm -hmm. he did not um, yeah, I think that when we won our first um, regular season and conference mm-hmm. titles, that was year last year. Joe was the better player on the team than Malcolm. Oh, for that, sure that that year. So, yeah, um, yeah. Personally, I think that he should also have had his um, jersey retired or whatever because I don't know, he was he for me. He's like what ushered ushered in um, Bennett Ball. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's and you mentioned Bennett Ball, and and I don't know if that's gonna catch on with the TikTok generation or anything as a term, but I I sometimes it is helpful for me. You'll be shocked to know to just go ahead and make arbitrary rules at the start, um, so so it makes my decision making process easier. Um, and you mentioned this this term, and that's kind of what I had as a guiding principle. You know, looking at what has Tony Bennett done. Um, I only picked players, at least for my my starting five, so to speak, um, and even the greater rotation for the most part, if I'm going to have one, as players that he recruited and stayed for all four years because one really key thing in probably a lot, especially the big men that we talk about, is there is eventually this jump. Like They might be really athletic in high school, but then you have to learn what is an idiosyncratic defense that does work quite well in college, but demands a lot of these players. Um, and there are plenty of players on my note card who did, didn't did make the jump because they never committed to that defense. And for instance, I think Jay Huff, who is not on this list and it's not really his fault. Um, he's, he might, he might change me this, this year, but I, I mean, I remember him getting crazy blocks when he would play his two minutes a couple years ago. But it's taken him a lot of time to go from a a really good recruit, and he was. I was looking that up today, too, and then becoming someone who, who works in that defense. On the other hand, someone like Mike Toby, fun guy, I guess, but like he's not making the list because even though he stayed four years, did not have that kind of you know progression into a Bennett star. <laughs> No, the the ultimate UVA troll would have been to anchor your all Bennett team with Jack Salt, mm-hmm. uh, who I believe yeah. would fit your description. Uh, but but interesting, it's interesting to me, I guess, that you mm-hmm. uh, that you 
you mention the the criterion that Tony Bennett recruited a player. Yes, this made it because, this made it hard because by that rule you have taken off the board arguably what probably would have been my third must have. Mm-hmm. And that is someone who should have been the ACC player of the year because yes. he scored 18 and eight on 55% shooting in 2011. And that is Mike Scott. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was and, really hard. And, and truthfully, hard. truthfully that 55% uh, shooting percentage, I don't really believe uh, because for an entire year, uh, Mike Scott uh, did not miss a 14-foot jumper. You cannot prove yeah. to me. Like, you could show me a video of him missing one, and, and I will tell you that it's a deep fake. Yeah. It didn't happen. Well, and in that year, we had um, we didn't have many other options on offense. We had, like, half of the Joe Harris. Um, <laughs> right. And so plenty of times we would give the ball to Mike with – five seconds left on the shot clock and you're like hey mike just try to score so probably 30 percent of that you know 45 percent of misses was that now to be fair he also was i believe a sixth year senior and he was 23 years old so uh, maybe maybe that means he had a a tiny bit of an unfair advantage but uh but i I swear he was coached by dave liado for three years (laughs) That's basically like being a sixth year freshman. I yeah. I, so <laughs> so so now so now like we've got our our linchpins. We had our must haves, and then you look around at like the rest of the pool, and you kind of have to figure out. Well, if if this exercise that we're doing is not just ranking the five best players of the Tony Bennett era at UVA, but putting together a basketball team that has to Mm -hmm. theoretically play on the floor at the same time. Mm -hmm. Then you start getting into the question of what is your lineup construction philosophy? And this is where this gets to where I probably struggled the most which is, does a point guard matter in this lineup? If, yes. if you have Malcolm Brogdon, who really spent a lot of his UVA career bringing the ball up, um, do do you do you have to have another guard? If you have another guard like that, do you want it to be someone who has a very offensive-minded game? I don't know, Ty Jerome. Or do you want it to be someone who's more of a facilitator and a, a defensive player, London Parentes? Um, or do you just scrap the idea of a point guard entirely and go kind of big with Malcolm as your lead guard, Joe as a pretty, you know, as a decently sized two guard, and then load up with more of the the bigger kind of six six eighty type folks. Um, mm-hmm. So, so I'm I'm curious how how y'all thought about that. Um, so, so for me, I thought it was so I had my three that I knew I must have, which was Joe Harris, Malcolm Brogdon, DeAndre Hunter, um, and then I was kind of with Pierce in that 
I think that it is essential to have a, um, a, a quote-unquote center. Um, we pretty much always seem to have one. It's a big part of the mover-blocker offense. It's You need a versatile big defensively for the, um, for the pack line to do the double teams on the bigs. Um, and so for me, I knew I had to have either, um, you know, Jack Salt or, you know, better choices, Akil Mitchell or Darion Atkins. And for me, the tough part was choosing between the two. Mm. Um, and I, I'll go ahead and say I ultimately uh, chose Darion. Um, but then for me, the other, the other problem was, or the bigger problem was figuring out whether, yeah, do I need a point guard um, or do I want to, it was a choice between Ty Jerome or Mike Scott. Um and I chose Ty Jerome just because I thought that 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 with Darion in there and DeAndre in there, I just thought Mike Scott was a bit redundant. And Ty Jerome, I hated him when he was a first year. I know I know you're right there with me, Sean, but he proved me wrong over and over and over again. And I just I can't deny putting him on the top. What a team. what a roller coaster ride he took us on. It is. Man. So, so I, I, so one thing I'm seeing with these teams, and and maybe I've, I've done a little thing, but we're very anti-short person here. Um, Kyle Guy not mentioned, Kihei Clark not mentioned. Who, who, like, let's see how this year ends. I'm not saying I wouldn't I, necessarily I swap no, him. No, you know what? I don't think we need to see how how this year ends. Kihei Clark is bad right now, um, and and yes, yeah. he can get into the lane at will. Uh, but for someone who is nominally touted as an excellent on-ball defender, uh, he has the worst defensive statistics of any regular player on this team right now. And this is the team where the defense dropped off. So, no, get Kihei Clark the hell out of here. I love him. I love that five seconds of magical brilliance, but he can get... All the way out of here. All right. Yeah. Well, I didn't him, put him and Diakite both didn't really touch my top teams, even though they did give us that. In, interesting. The greatest, the greatest connection, uh, maybe other than um, you know, Ty Jerome uh, double dribbling or whatever he did. Uh, I guess that was that was one of the better connections. Or sorry, or who, the, was, who was the other? Who was the other uh, short person that you mentioned that we we're supposedly? Ky- oh, Kyle Guy. K- Guy. Uh, yeah. The problem is he's going against Joe Harris. That's really yeah. all it is. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, any in any case, I, I think that let's. Uh, I didn't. I didn't select either of those people. <laughs> Kyle Guy didn't stay four You're years, so I couldn't bombs. put him on it. Um. Uh. So I I have London Prentice on here. Um. I kind of feel bad for him because he accomplished a lot in terms of just winning. I I feel like he's probably the winningest UVA player ever because of where he he was in in terms of those two eras mm-hmm. but he didn't get the the fruits of of the labor and I feel kind of bad but like as far as like a floor general type person having that there being deferential I think he came into school and they thought he would be someone who who was aggressive on offense and never really was and that's just fine like he was excellent and I think is perfect in in that kind of deferential role for my all-time team yeah that ultimately that is where i shook out too kyle guy we should we should take a, a quick second and think about how insane it is that the leading uh the the player who played the most minutes and the leading scorer on virginia's only 
national championship basketball team has not did, like wasn't even a yeah. particularly serious candidate for inclusion for any of us. Oh, and he was absolutely huge. Like with the in the Auburn game, he hit before he got the foul shots. He hit a crazy three yes. to keep us in the game. Like, yes, he developed an amazing offensive game. Like his first year, he was all threes. Then he or his first two years, and that third year, he learned he needed to score inside. He figured it out. He, he's awesome. It, yeah, it's kind of absurd when you put it that way. Yes, <clears throat> but. Now, by, by, by snubbing Ty and Guy, I get the perfect bench unit guard pair. Neither of them was exactly a great defender, so we get to kind of throw them out there and just be like, guys, go, just go score a bunch. Just, mm. just take all the shots, um, and, and you, don't, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to interfere with Mike getting his touches um uh, we can we can let joe and and malcolm get as many shots as they want um uh, so so yeah i mean i think that you know if you're thinking beyond like a starting five and and trying to you know construct like how might i put together a total rotation like i i think that if you're doing that i think having london as your starting point guard maybe makes more sense uh, although I'm, I think I'm willing to entertain that if you're only thinking about five you probably should either have Ty or go sort of free of a traditional point guard so I think that to to move away from the guard situation Kevin you you shared your thoughts on on kind of the the bigger positions um you mentioned not being very smitten with mamadi diakite i put him on on my squad just because i think that he ended up of like that that akil darion uh isaiah wilkins is probably not that he he was really hard for me because i didn't know where to put he hadn't put him on the team but like i didn't know how to feel about him but i think diakite ended up being in some ways like the most dynamic and skilled of that i mean he will probably be in the nba sphere for for quite a while and i think that speaks to it like he's he's a good player and he's impactful and played defense really well and also he could score in a way that unfortunately Darion and Akil couldn't score from more than like three feet away from the hoop and so I yeah. and neither could Mike Toby or Jack Salt the list the list goes on um but Diakite could and then the last big guy I'll put on the team and I'll I'll get to here so so then others but I I did put Akil on my team and I put him on there um in looking back on some stuff that that 12-13 season, so in the game when Joe scored a bunch of points, there was, like, no one else scoring more than two points except for Akil Mitchell, who I'm, you know, he was playing against a Duke team. He played against some Plumley, I forget which yes, one. Yes, that is correct. I, I, I believe he essentially vaporized uh, Marshall Plumley in that game. Or and no, was it Mason? It might have been Mason. I, it might have been, been Mason, actually, but the thing that is – you know, so that year he had a big role. He scored like 16 points. And then the next year, the team was deeper. It had a better offense. So he had to step back. And he did 
I think that 13-14 season is the most important. This is where I get a little nostalgic, but also honest. That was the first ACC regular season title, and they won the ACC actual title. So that is within a recruiting class. They were able to, um, well, I I guess an extra year, but basically within a recruiting class, uh, Tony Bennett was able to win the ACC, and that's huge. And that is in no small part to... Um, Akil was all defensive first team ACC that year and also in the ACC championship game pretty much shut down Jabari Parker it's, and uh, that was really hard to do then it, it's one of it's one of the better look in, in a program known for its defense in in an era of that program where there's literally a thing called you know pitching a Tony where you hold you hold a team you hold an opponent to single digits in a half or maybe the tony is under 20 that's what it is it's 20. under 20 and yeah, a half that's right. yeah that's right um but we have seen them hold teams to single digits in a half um the way that akil mitchell defended jabari parker in the acc championship game in 2014 is one of the best defensive performances i have seen out of that team it was yeah that incredible. game was not close it was incredible a- and the the crazy thing about that is he still scored 23 it just took him 24 shots to do it or maybe i'm flipping 23 and 24 but he scored 20 but it took over 20 shots to get there 23 it, on 24 shots it was indeed. just it was so incredible to watch you know the the guy who was arguably was he was being talked about as like very possibly going to be the first pick in the NBA draft mm-hmm. uh, because of his ability to score just get locked down by a dude who you know he probably came into the game thinking was not on his level uh, and, and and so I, I will always have very fond memories of Akil Mitchell I, I'm I'm with yeah. you I wanted him um, despite Maybe all I'll that, switch. Darion was incredible <laughs> as, as an interior defender. So I, I had to have him. Yeah, uh, I, th- I, th- I think, uh, like, just to get uh, off, like, the Diakite thing real quick, and the reason I picked Darion um, is that when I'm surrounded by Joe and Malcolm and Ty and DeAndre, like, I don't need him to score at all. Like, I just want the defensive force. So... And I just imagine Akil is probably a better basketball player, but I think Darion was close and just like a little bit more athletic. And that's why I went with them. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think one of the things that we've, we've learned over this time is there's not really much of a wrong answer um, except for Evan Nolte or probably the least valuable Virginia basketball player of the last decade, Austin Nichols. Um, Oh, I forgot about Austin Nichols. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you know, not like not counting the guys who Bennett recruited and didn't really get playing time and, and transferred out like of, of the people that were supposed to make an impact like he could not possibly have left less of a footprint on Virginia basketball if he tried. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but there were a lot of good choices like we have been. God, we have been so spoiled in the last 11 12 years it's it's really great um 
I mean, shit, well, we won a national championship. Like, how many? There's not that many fan bases that get to claim that. Yeah, that that don't have teams that start with a K, basically. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's true. Start with a K or coached by someone whose name starts with a K. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think we, I think we are really spoiled, and that was a big thing for me in choosing it. Is it? I do think it. It does come from the top, and. You know, a lot of the transfers, people people now will come from other schools. And, like, this this Hauser guy, I think, in a lot of ways, fits, like, wanted to play for wanted to play for Tony Bennett. I mean, Anthony Gill, who is not on my team, wanted to play for, for Tony Bennett, clearly. And that's a really big deal. And it does make me think of one player that none of us have mentioned, even though had one of the more electric UVA seasons of anybody, is Justin Anderson. And he yep. is not on it for any of us. And it's not for nothing. He doesn't make he wouldn't make it per my rules anyways that I have put on this. But also yep. he originally wanted to play for Gary Williams, not Tony Bennett. I do hold that against him a bit, but <laughs> <laughs> I do yeah, he his last season because he wasn't originally gonna be an early departure, but he actually had an incredible third year. Like there were plenty of games that he basically won for us and we were on track to have a great season and then um, his finger exploded and then he got hurt and then we you know played like crap against Michigan State in the second round um and so I think that that kind of that season that season's like sandwiched between other ones and so he had a great season uh he's easily on my second team like without a doubt on my second team he's just doesn't scrape the first team and i just uh, to go back again to joe harris for a moment he was so committed to tony bennett that he was willing to play for him in pullman washington now he is from a, a place even more uh, what i understand to be sadder than pullman washington but like being that committed to a coach i tried to commit that to this team i gotta tell you justin didn't make even my second five He's, oh, okay. he's the only he's the only guy who left early who like look I understand why he left early he's the only guy that should have stayed interesting I feel like you and I, I had this discussion around that time and given how well he was shooting like three pointers he, he couldn't he, he had... couldn't he couldn't stay yeah he, he couldn't stay for him and his and his basketball prospects uh, but uh, he also, at least in in my estimation, would have had to stay for his all Tony Bennett team prospect. Yes, uh, you know, but not to mention yeah. that I have I have the the three headed monster from the championship team, plus, uh, you know, Akil Diakite, another guy who we didn't talk at all about, Anthony Gill. Anthony yeah. Gill was great. Yes. Now he f- he fails the Bennett recruiting test because yes. he was a transfer, but you know, in particular that like power forward kind of six seven to six nine guy position is one where he we have just been, you know, we have been given an embarrassment of riches over this time period. Um, but I just like there were enough. I, I think especially once you get to like second fives is where the sentimentality comes in more and i just for whatever reason i don't have 
any sentimental connection to Justin Anderson at all. No, he's not. He's not. He's not the most sentimental subject. No, but uh, I think here's a curveball. I think that's Tony Bennett's fault for one for one specific reason. It comes down to one game. It's the first Michigan State game. I spent the entire week leading up to that game telling anyone who who I had a chance to talk to about the game. Uh, Justin Anderson needs to guard Brandon Dawson for the entire game or else he is going to kill us. And Tony didn't, you know, because it's not what he does. It's not the system. He didn't sick his best and most athletic wing defender on Michigan State's most athletic, bounciest wing player. And he fucking killed us. And we lost by two points. And everything was sad. And uh, I think, I think there's probably some extent to which like that moment like forever fractured my relationship with Justin Anderson. It's really no, it's no fault of his own. I was also going to ask if his disappointing NBA career is kind of like biasing you against putting him on your Bennett team. Uh, no, 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 because I, I really, <clears throat> I really tried not to, to you know, to I tried to make it purely about their time at Virginia, which I I think, I I think was sort of implicit in in the whole idea of the exercise, or, or in your selection of Darion Atkins in spite of uh, some unsavory. Uh, that, that, that is true. My 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 connection on, on the other side of this coin, my sentimental relationship to Darion Atkins is so strong that it, it just like I, I chose not to penalize him for him being such a bonkers like conspiracy theorist that I had mm-hmm. to unfollow him on Instagram. <laughs> um, but in I don't know if it's sentimental, but I'll just throw this out to the two of you. Did you all leave any room in your rosters? Maybe just your hearts for... Um, I had two on here that I felt kind of like, oh, I want more for them. I mentioned Isaiah Wilkins, who I, I like I got much better, but was probably never that good. Um, brilliant defensively, but maybe that was Lant. But the other person that where was like, I could almost make a case for them instead of London is is Devin Hall. Yeah, I would... I would... Isaiah, no, and he's not touching my team. Devin, that's that's fair. I he's yeah. Devin was Devin had a great season that last season. Um, I don't really hold the UMBC game against him or anything. Um, I just he if he would have had more good seasons, uh, he really took a he took a leap that last season. And I think if um, but he was playing behind London for the mm-hmm. three years before that, so you know it's hard to hold that against him. But yeah. Yeah, they they were both those guys were both uh, on like my on my short list, but at the very bottom of their sort of general position groups. I actually think that even though I, I have spent a bunch of time pimping UVA power forwards and how how good they have been, uh, that still for largely sentimentality reasons, Isaiah was closer to making my team than Devin was, um, but. You know, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff from that year that has left a, a 
bad taste in our mouths. I can't imagine why. Yeah, um. Kevin. Kevin, do you want to? Do you, uh, speaking of bad taste, do you want to share your your not top five team? Um, yeah, I can do that. But but first, I just want to um, also mention that I'm, you know, ready to kick Ty out any second for Reese Beekman if he <laughs> if he chooses to stay four years and if he develops a shot, he's going to be awesome. <laughs> if he learns he how to play basketball, spot. Yeah. that's as cold blooded as Ty Jerome is. Yeah, um, uh, I'm a fan, but maybe it's just because he's the it's the first time we've ever had someone who like can attack on the fast break. Um, so and, and it's also totally skewed by this year by him being not Kihei Clark. Yeah. Um, so with my not team, I didn't really. I guess I can I can update this like on the fly. Um, you can almost make a not team out of the the they called it the the six shooter which was the original bennett uh yeah the joe harris yeah but um so there's not really any rules whether like oh bennett had to recruit them or not it's just as i was going through every year's roster i was like oh that's that guy um so asan sen yep he is on the not top five very high very high on Um, my list of least valuable players sorry um and then the next two guys were guys that were like exciting recruits just Stayed a couple of years, didn't work out, and then transferred, and still weren't that great. Uh, Paul Jesperson and yep. James Johnson. Um, oh, I think Paul Jesperson had one good year for University of Northern Iowa. Um, hit a game winner in the tournament. Um, That's true. But overall, very disappointing player. Um, Evan Nolte. Um, he just was never what he was supposed to be. Um, Evan Nolte, great ambassador of UVA, though. He, he'll, like, get interviewed to talk about – no, not actually. But they'll interview him well, and just get comments on what it was like to play I, for, uh, look, for the team. Look, he, 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 he may be someone who is quick with a, a, a kind word about UVA and the program, mm-hmm. but think about what is the most – what is the single most prominent photograph of Evan Nolte that exists in the known universe – I'll, it's I'll, a mugshot. Oh, that's right. Yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> like I said, great ambassador of UVA. I mean, <laughs> I said what I said. Um, but Kevin, but, I think James well, yeah. Johnson is not great on that because he did not. He was never able to work up a sweat on a UVA <laughs> basketball court. Um, but you're, you're on the right track with like depressing, like oh, I expected more. I would put KT Harold in that group because it made me sad. that, no, that but, It just didn't work out for well, him. With KT, it was the wrong team for him. I, he went to Auburn, yeah. did well. Same with Mariel Shayok, just the wrong team for them. So I, mean, I got one spot left. I mean, like Austin Nichols is too easy. Tristan Spurlock too easy. So I'll just I need a point guard on my not five team. So I'll put Kihei Clark in there. Oh no! That is I thought that were, is cruel. I thought you were gonna do my wonderfully inflammatory thing. Um, John Tell Evans is on my list. Oh uh, no! John Tell well. Evans sucked. I'll, I'll I'll own that corner. John Tell Evans sucked. Ah, I mean, look. All right. Well, I mean, if you're asking me to pick between Kihei and John Tell, I guess I'll pick Kihei. I mean, look. I, I, in terms I, of if I want them on my team, at some point, you're right. At some point, I think. At some point, I think the fact that he is the author of arguably the the biggest moment in UVA basketball history. Yeah, and and that's crazy considering 
that there was a whole overtime of that game plus a final four game and a national championship game still to come uh i mean he th- he threw the most important pass that's ever been thrown by a uva mm-hmm. basketball player so it's got to count for something yeah it, it does I'm, I'm i'm mostly just annoyed that he gets so much playing time this year but um <laughs> it's it's yeah. fair it it's a it's a fair concern um and and look we we spared we spared Sammy Zaglinski from the the not top 5 team uh top 10 all time in steals at UVA that was an interesting interesting find uh but i, I also am am looking down at my recorder and seeing that we we've been talking about this for 40 minutes now which means that uh my overly self-indulgent uh <laughs> sports podcast alarm is ringing very loudly in my head so so maybe maybe we should uh treat this uh as a moment where the the clock is winding down and it's time time to time to hoist up those buzzer beater thoughts before we, mm. we close it out yeah well I, I i'm not gonna apologize for you all disrespecting john tell evans but uh so i'll apologize for something else um which this week it's really simple it's it's a it's a psa um in some ways uh but uh i apologize for after my battery died uh assuming that AutoZone would help me and deciding to turn off my car if your battery dies and you're in the process of getting it fixed or recharged or whatever you're doing, and you are not certain that the place you are going is going to help with your battery problems, do not turn off your car. Even if you're a city slicker, do not turn off your car. Probably no one's going to steal your car in broad daylight, so just leave it running. I mean, someone will just think that there's a kid in the back um, or a dog or something. No one's going to touch your car. Do not turn off your car if your battery has just died. Um, Or you will be like me and have to find someone on a bike to come and jump your car. Um, And I mean a bicycle. I don't mean a a motorcycle. So don't turn off your car. Um, It costs some headaches for folks by doing just that. Okay. Um, Yes. uh, If you... If you are worried about whether your car is going to turn back on, you probably not. should not turn it off. That is that is true. Uh, sometimes you don't really get that choice, uh, and you wind up having to uh, push your car across three lanes of traffic in Delray Beach, Florida, on spring break to, to get it uh, out of an intersection where it has come to a dead stop uh, and, and fully died on you. Um, but but it sounds like this was maybe not that. So no no this is this is a little more nuanced. Yes and and yeah. Uh, okay, well let's uh, let's close with a big idea from pop culture, and uh, uh, this week. So, I, we we've talked about TikTok on the show before, and and, and one of the things that that TikTok has has done to internet content if you will is is it's given a rise to uh kind of a new genre of thing which is where you take either the existing video of something and put new sound over it 
or more more common on TikTok is you take the existing sound from a video that someone else has made and you make your own new video mm. incorporating that sound. And so that is how you wind up in a world where Samer Kalaf, the managing editor of Defector.com, a wonderful website that has sprung from the ashes of another formerly great website, Deadspin, mm-hmm. saw a video that included the sound of a fart, recognized that that fart had come from another video, and proceeded to tell his coworkers about it in Slack, which led to, uh, look, it it's only it's February eighth as as we're recording this, so it's it's still early, but a strong contender for the best blog post I've read all year, uh, which is called "Sam Recognized a Fart Online," and is really just a perhaps lightly edited transcript of the defector slack reacting to the fact that uh one of their co-workers a manager uh <laughs> can actually recognize a specific fart by sound uh, yes. it is worth the price of a defector membership on its own as far as i'm concerned um and uh i, I i'll i'll put a link in the show notes you you i think you can read at least a couple of mm-hmm. posts for free before you you hit their paywall uh so so you should check it out and, and who knows maybe maybe like me uh you will find uh that it is similarly <laughs> valuable so uh yeah sam recognized the fart online it is just you know as, as a, a deadly pandemic rages on and and we're uh, trying, trying to dig our way out of the hole that we've uh, dug for ourselves the last year uh, by uh, responding to it at best indifferently and at worst actively uh, wrongly. Um, it was the perfect, gloriously stupid thing to read uh, on the internet. So, uh, blog blogs are still good. Don't don't yeah. don't worry. Uh, okay, that is the end of the show. You can find us at our home on the web, www.prettyokpod.com, where, as I believe I have now promised two weeks in a row, you can finally find Pierce's uh, latest installment of the Yellow Tote Review Review. One of those has a W, one does not. You yes. You choose your order mm-hmm. um, it's a, a recap of the concerts he saw in the previous year uh, it, it will not shock you to learn that there is a, a twist to the 2020 version uh, so you should go check it out you can subscribe to our podcast feed on your podcast app and device of choice if you do that please leave a rating review comment that sort of thing or just tell a friend about the show we'd love to share it with them as well We'll be back next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Kevin. Go Who's. Thanks for listening.